Just like that, the final hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us as well. We've been discussing the big uh, topics from the weekend. Chad, the biggest topic, I guess, is Hot Mike is here. Same show. Same show. Same guys. And we'll continue to do exactly what we were hired to do by Clay Travis two years ago in January of 2021. Authentic, funny, smart, and the non-fake opinion. No BS. Uh, We're not going to be reading from a script ever and being told what or what not to ask. Uh, If that's the case, the guests can move on, move aside. Um, And we'll always discuss the sports topics that you care about. And we'll give our honest and authentic opinion to that. And I was forced to read an apology one time in my career. How many times you've done that? That sense? was one time too many. <laughs> yeah. One time too many. Never again. And it's my fault. Because Never I, again will I, I be forced to read you, something. Handed, unless, it's a, unless it's a commercial. <laughs> I will yeah. read commercials if you hand them to Fair me. Enough. If they're paying. Uh, but yeah, uh, so but that's about it. The, this is part of a, a, a rebrand for the show now that we are moving forward with Putnam and Withrow. And we've also got uh, big plans for the network in general. Always great things uh, going right now anyway, including Dan Dockich. Tommy's there. Clay's there. Kurt Schilling's talking baseball at outkick.com. Yeah, when when Paul Kowarski left the show, we were getting questions. Hey, are you going to add a third host? Because we were three hosts. Mm -hmm. And our answer was, we don't think so. Well, we know now, and this is part of the rebranding now that it's a two-man show, it is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I even wore red today because I knew our new branding was going to be red. And now having seen what that looks like with the red behind me, I'll never be wearing red again because this is far too much red on my pale (laughs) mosaic that you see in front of me right now. Where I got outside yesterday and uh, played softball with the little ones. That was a great day. And everyone in my family, wife, two little girls, were all sunburned. And I wasn't. And I'm thinking, man, I must... Have a little more tan in me than I thought because I don't. I, I didn't get sunburned. I got a little bit, you know, a yep. little bit more tan. Uh, you got a little Von Schmidt in you. Yeah, I got have. a little bit of Von Schmidt. Maybe a little bit other you know, side of the family Go also. Ahead. Who knows? <laughs> but um, feeling good about that. Everyone else got a little sunburn, but I was like, I didn't get sunburned. I feel I feel good now today. But I, don't worry, I will not. I won't be wearing this red shirt as much. Maybe wear something over it if I do. It's a lot of red. Yeah, it's well, part well, of the branding. We wanted to, we wanted to go go red. If you say so. Not Cincinnati Reds, but, you know, Red. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts on social. You can also join Chad in the chat as well. Um, so we've got a great Final Four, at least according to the two of us. The ratings are not going to reflect that. But this was the, the results of knowing that we don't have a number one, number two, or number three seed remaining for the first time ever in the Final Four. It's refreshing. And I'm not here to say that the, all the programs representing the Final Four are doing it all exactly the same way. But it is nice to see that not all programs are rewarded for a win-at-all-cost mentality that we saw at Alabama this year with Brandon Miller and Nate Oates and Greg Byrne and the university and the athletic department doubling down even after new information surfaced that... Yeah, Brandon Miller's playing, and we're going to continue to play him and look the other way. And then Miller chokes in the NCAA tournament with the numbers we've seen. And injury or not, Dockett's told us earlier, 
um, injury or not, we saw this guy produce. And all of a sudden, it's the injury, not the distraction behind the scenes. But Chad, they were set up to win. Look at the, look at the field. Look at the bracket versus Alabama. And they lost to San Diego State of the Mountain West. I love it. Florida Atlantic, great storyline. Second tournament ever. They make the run as the nine seed. They've won over 30 games this season. And while you say, well, it's tough for Cinderella to be a 34-win team, fair. But we will remember the Owls for this run, and they will be in the same discussion as George Mason and VCU and Butler and others that we point to that actually make the full run. Wichita State, that make the full run to the Final Four. On the flip side, UConn, great team. They can win so many different ways, but they're not a top three seed, and they were coming out of a great conference in the Big East. And then Miami, not Duke or North Carolina, but Miami, back in the Elite Eight for the second straight year, and now they advance to the Final Four behind NL, NIL dollars that are the new era of the college sports landscape. But this is also, to me, about the evening out where we have more parity now than what we've seen and I, I like the fact that we are seeing teams that went about it the right way. Even the good storylines like Kansas State or Texas and what they did after Chris Beard was fired with cause. What those teams did to reach where they were versus what others did to look the other way goes to show you that it doesn't always have to be the win-at-all-cost mentality to have success. Can it win you things? Yes. But this year, they were losers. And I'm happy for that. And g- going back to the Alabama part of this, where they lose on Friday night to San Diego State, I really think America should rejoice over this Alabama loss. And no, this is not because I went to Tennessee and I hate Alabama. It's because I hate what Alabama has chosen to stand for. Mm-hmm. This year, Alabama has not always been this way. They're not this way in every sport all the time. They've had some great, classy coaches Throughout their time there, they've had good administrators at Alabama who are about the right things deep down that also badly want to win in everything they compete in because they're competitors. And I'm all for competition. I'm all for winning and going for it and doing things like that. But the story out of Nashville today is one example of of this with, with the shooting. There are bigger things than winning in sports at times. And something much bigger than winning at sports is when one of your players is charged with murder. And when one of your other players, and it's the star player, is involved in the investigation with the murder because he drove the murder weapon to the scene of the murder and you do nothing to that player, you don't deserve good things. And you especially don't deserve good things to happen for you when you did that simply to win. And they can disguise this as however they want. I treat my players as my sons. We had to look at it from a, we checked with legal. We did this and that. Alabama did all of this for one reason and one reason only. Brandon Miller was their best chance at a national championship. Brandon Miller was their best chance at their school's first ever Final Four. And instead, what they got is getting knocked out in the Sweet 16 for the eighth out of nine times in their program's history. They are one and eight in the Sweet 16 now and did not get to the Elite Eight. 
And if you care about what is right and what is fair and what is just, you were cheering along with San Diego State Aztec fans when they beat Alabama on Friday night. What a great win for what is right and what should happen. And I look at these four teams in the Final Four, and I see a lot of what's right. And I'm not talking about what's doing the right thing. We're talking about murder here. All right, people are going to have a problem with John Ruiz paying top dollar to get Nigel Pack to come from K-State to Miami and everything else they're doing with NIL. I'm not talking about that. This is commerce. Okay, we can, we can get into the morality of paying players and NIL and all that another day. And it's legal. I'm talking about what's doing what's right when a young woman is murdered and Nate Oates is sitting there who has three daughters and talking about how he treats his players as his sons and really disregarding the fact that a young woman was murdered in this whole deal. So Nate Oates isn't going anywhere. He's had a ton of success. Bama will probably continue to have success under him, but at least for one night in one tournament, I am thrilled that what was right won. And by what was right winning, it was Alabama losing and losing in the Sweet 16 and not even getting to a Final Four. We all won. Every one of the Bama fans in that university won, but everybody else won that night. Yeah, and there are great storylines. That's at the top of the list. And other great examples of class instead of classless. Jerome Tang gave a post-game speech, not to his Kansas State Wildcats that had just lost by three uh, several minutes earlier, but he walked into the Florida Atlantic locker room and Jerome Tang delivered this speech to the Owls team. Toughness, your togetherness, your ability to make plays for each other, right? Like the way you communicate with each other. There's no, nobody can beat y'all, right? Nobody can. So just stay together. Don't get distracted between now and then, all right? Stay locked in. Keep doing what you're doing. Y'all the toughest son of a guns we played all year long. Uh, just proud of y'all be rooting Appreciate for you. That. All right? <laughs> There's Jerome Tank. And in hearing Coach May discuss things at the podium after the game as he was headed to the Final Four. He said, what Tang did, we've seen that along the way. And I get, at some point, you have to latch on to, man, everyone thinks we're pretty good. But he first realized it when Mike Davis, head coach at Detroit Mercy, Antoine's uh, father, where he is, this is in November, and... Mike Davis walked into the locker room as well in November and said, you guys have a chance to go to the Final Four. You're that talented. So it's not a one-off from Jerome Tang. And I, I think it was a classy move in that moment. And the run that he did and what happened with the Wildcats all year uh, to go in there and say that to FAU says something about the character of Tang in that program. That speaks volumes. Just like it spoke volumes with how Nate Oates handled things at Alabama. And... Yes, absolutely. And you look at that win total, and this is what everyone is, is saying about this team, but it's right. This is no fluke. No. I think they're 35-3 and three now after this tournament run. Uh, you don't win that many games and it be some sort of accident or you be overrated or overvalued going into a tournament. It's very simple to say now. It wasn't when the tournament started. FAU's way underseeded. FAU with the season they had, if Conference USA was respected and valued the way it probably should have been, with some really good teams this year, UAB, one of them North Texas, another both in Madison Square Garden for the NIT Final Four. That's a four seed. That's more like a four or five seed that we're watching with Florida Atlantic with the season they had. Instead, they get the nine seed. It makes the it makes the run better. I think for us, it makes it cooler, right? That they came out of as a nine seed. Now they're in the Final Four. 
But I watched that team. I don't think nine seed. I think it's a team that was probably undervalued. And they've gone on this run. And I don't watch them and think it's some, oh, boy, they're getting lucky or they're hitting bad no. shots. Or, well, they didn't you know, really hit the three very often they're getting, in the tournament They're, they're getting point. favorable matchups along the way. I don't think any of that. I just think that when it is it is stress time late in the game, they're the ones that aren't stressed, and they just let it and, go. And they did it at MSG. They're at center, center court MSG. Go back Stre- to round one the against Memphis and how the they did it. The opponents are the stress team, not the other way around, which they is did remarkable. Not, they didn't play well. They didn't shoot well in round one against Memphis. But when it was cl- uh, clutch time, they were good. They made the plays. Round two, they didn't play great, but they did enough to beat Fairleigh Dickinson. And then it started with Tennessee. Down six, 12 minutes left. They take over. And same goes for the K-State game. I've just been thoroughly impressed with the composure of that group throughout this run. This run across the tournament was indicative of what we've seen really in the top 10, top 25, in the polls that would come out weekly. Chad, it's a, it's a dream scenario for the Cinderella fans, right? Where you're trying to find these, these teams to latch on to all the way through. But ultimately, and we've seen history of this, what does it mean for the Final Four? It means that not as many people will watch. It doesn't mean that you that enjoy basketball or enjoy Cinderella stories should not really enjoy this Final Four. I think it's going to lead to some really good games. But a year ago is the classic example. The Duke-North Carolina National Semifinal game, Final Four game, is the second most watched college basketball game on cable ever. The National Championship game was North Carolina-Kansas. That's third most watched all time. That's pretty good, right? What's the common denominator here? Blue Bloods. Programs everyone's heard of that everyone knows that played in these games. When you get teams that aren't that in the Final Four, we saw it with Baylor-Houston a few years back, very low rating, you're going to get worse TV rating. So not everyone is going to be watching that game on Saturday the way we were Duke-Carolina a year ago and all the backstories with that one. Um, Rodney Terry, they are hammering out the final details for him at Texas, but a no-brainer. And finally... The players for the Longhorns were saying this at the podium publicly over the weekend throughout the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Like Rodney Terry deserves to have the job. Maybe they were talking about it all along, but... Uh, I feel like he probably... They got word that it was happening, so I think they felt at ease saying that at that point or that it was going to happen. Oh, the players, you're saying? I think that Rodney Terry knew going into the Sweet 16 that he had the job, and I think he probably told his players... So I feel like his players probably felt more at ease talking yeah. about it. Because I'm, I'm willing to bet the way Rodney Terry's wired, he was telling them not to talk about it when asked about it, right? Don't keep me out of it and, and if I'm getting the job or not before then. Well, he, a tremendous job. Because what was the initial reaction with Chris Beard being first put on leave and then fired with cause was, this is a top 10 program right now. What's going to happen to them? They, they have been on a roll, and the expectation was they would – dropped back, and it was the opposite. They stepped up. And another great story from Coach Rodney Terry and getting the – I'm eager to see the details of it because the discussion was – I believe Jeff Goodman was saying the discussion is going to be around the buyout or if they don't – if they figure out like, hey, this is a great run, but long-term, it's just not the right head coach, which means if you find someone that you want that you want to pony up for – that's available, you're able to get rid of Terry on a cheaper margin than what you could do for Chris Beard. 
if you had to fire him without cause. But the buyout won't be anything close to what Beard had, but he now has a chance to take over a top program that's headed to the SEC and that has recruited very well. And that through a transfer portal, if you don't recruit well, you can again be good fairly quickly if you have a down year. It's the right move uh, for Texas. There's no doubt about it. I don't know I, what I the was, other moves was, though. I was surprised. Well, I, I, there were still reports that Penn State's looking at him, Georgia Tech, and others were still you know, interested in Rodney Terry, which I, I did not understand. Um, right move for Texas. And speaking of transfers, Caleb Love of North Carolina just announced he's entered the transfer portal from Carolina. He was a star a year ago in their run in the NCAA tournament to the national championship game. Someone's getting a very talented player in Caleb Love if he goes through with this transfer. Chad, uh, just recapping our thoughts over the weekend. San Diego State and Creighton and how the game ended. A foul's a foul. But that was a physical game. That was an extremely physical game. I, I, I don't know how in the moment, if you're calling that physical game throughout, that you call that, that a foul in that moment. If you're letting other fouls go, it, it, I thought of what Tennessee did in the first and second round. Then they get to the Sweet 16. Then they advance. And it's like, well, what, what's going to happen with Tennessee and the officials once they get past the Duke storyline, which was, oh, dirty team. They Ref should have blown the whistle a lot more. What happens if they don't get the same leeway that they received against Duke? Well, I mean... In this case, that's how San Diego State plays, you know? And Creighton matched them. That was a great game. And I, I just, I hated that it ended at a free throw line based on how that game had been played. Is it a foul? Yes. I could say, watching it, I felt like, yeah, it's a foul. But in that game, I'm not so sure. So, I like that the call was made, and for this reason. You're right in saying the game was physical. Watching the game, though, I thought they allowed the physicality away from the ball. So rebounding situations, you had a lot of calls that could have been called yeah. that weren't. I thought they were pretty consistent on calling the foul on the shot. Uh, there was the guy, and I'm blanking on his name, the guy for Creighton, every time he drove, he would get the foul call when he went hard to the basket. So I think on the shots, they did a pretty good job of calling it consistent. When there was contact, um, I, I'm a firm believer if it's a, especially on a shot like that, you let guys jockey for position and get physical if it's a last rebound scenario in the game or you're trying to keep the ball alive, you let that go. But if someone's shooting and they're getting to a pretty good spot on the court, you don't want to bail someone out who's shooting a 35 foot fadeaway and there may be slight contact yeah. late in the game. But when a guy's driving to a 15-footer and goes up and gets hit on the arm or gets fouled, you call it. So I, I'm good with the call. But going in, if that game just goes to overtime, I don't think we're talking about that play being a no call in that specific game. I think that San Diego State is. I don't think we are. You mean Creighton is I'm, discussing no, that? No, no. I'm saying if they don't call that and, oh, yeah. and San Diego State well, loses in overtime, but based their on, coach and everyone's going to be thinking about that no call on the foul. Yeah, but I would say that's how they play, though. They're a physical team like that game dictates. Yeah, look, I think, again, there's a difference in physical and fat, hitting someone in the arm when they shoot it. That's not physical. That's a foul. Physical is I'm going to muscle you up underneath the goal and get away with some shoves to go get the ball. Or I'm going to go hard as an offensive player 
and and get to the basket by sheer physicality at times. But slapping a guy on the arm or the wrist or the hand on, on a, a shot, that's not physicality. That's just a foul. So I'm good with the call. San Diego State on to the Final Four. They'll take up uh, their tip-off against Florida Atlantic first. That's a 6-10, I believe, 6-10 Eastern tip-off in Houston, followed by UConn and... We will we get to see the Yukon Huskies with a great story and the win over Gonzaga. That's a story we can hit later in the week. Uh, and, and what's expected of Yukon versus Miami and then advancing to face either FAU or uh, San Diego State. Coming up, uh, a story that we hit on Friday involving the back and forth on social with ex-PGA uh, Tour professional uh, John Peterson and Haley Davidson, who finished second in the mini tour down in Florida for the LPGA Q league, I believe is what this is. The, the Q tournaments that they have, the qualifying schools and Haley Davidson becoming the first, uh, the, the first player on the LPGA qualification map, uh, to be transgender and actually compete. And she finished second. We'll talk with John Peterson about the back and forth and why he would compare this to, where we're headed on the horizon as a, a father of daughters. And my guess is Peterson's daughters are pretty good at golf or will be. That's next on Hot Mike. And we are back with former PGA Tour pro, John Peterson. He's now hosting the podcast for the people, and he joins us on Hot Mike on OutKick. John, how are you, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So we, we referenced this on, on Friday, and the story's up at OutKick as well, but uh, you got to do a back and forth with Haley Davidson, who finished second on the, the mini tour down in Florida, and that caught your attention, and... The back and forth then proceeded to happen. Get us set up on what prompted you uh, to respond the way you did and how it led down the path of making the headlines that it did. Well, the prompt was probably the two glasses of Buffalo Trace that I had had before, <laughs> I, before I got onto Twitter. We've and, all been there. We've all yeah, been there, John. No yeah. doubt about it. Look, man, it just frustrated me. It made my blood boil. I've got two two young girls um they're they're four and the other one was just born she's starting to play soccer and you know she's all cute and fun and running around and, and with all of her friends right now but eventually you know it becomes competitive right and to think about you know 10 years down the road her having to beat you know a, a, a guy a kid that's going through puberty as a freshman in high school or sophomore in high school where he's clearly faster, bigger, stronger, and everybody pretending like it's a level playing field. It's just absurd. If you have one brain cell left in your head, you know that it's not fair. So um, after I drank the, the bourbon and uh, and um, saw that, I just I just couldn't hold back. You know, I, I just couldn't let it happen anymore. I'm sick of seeing the absurdity on social media, even though Twitter's, you know, 99% not real life. Uh, that one, that one deserved a little attention. I thought. I have a seven and three year old, seven and three year old daughters as well, John. And the thing that I find 
very fascinating about this, and I know Twitter is not real life, and there are bots out there and all those things. I don't really hear good arguments for participation from transgender women participating in women's sports, right? I, I, don't, I don't get no. that. I get a lot of attacks with people saying, well, why are you calling it out? Or it's not that big of a deal or it doesn't happen that often. But they don't really argue for it. And I find that to be very telling. So if governing bodies would just come together and all just make a blanket rule about it, like we saw last week from one of them, mm-hmm. I feel like this situation could go away sooner than later. So that part of it, I guess, encourages me a little bit. And I hope that we see some more common sense. Do you think we get more common sense from governing bodies in sports sooner rather than later? I hope so, because if if we don't, every single women's record that's being held right now will be beat. You know, that's just going to happen. If yeah. you let them, if you let men play in women's sports, eventually you'll have no records held by women. So it's not going to take a lot more, I don't think, um, for it to be, hopefully, God, hopefully it won't take a lot more. But um, if it keeps happening the way it is, uh, I would imagine lawmakers would come to their senses eventually. And, and like, look, these these guys, are these are dudes like we just can't let them compete against women anymore. They're winning everything. You know, if you want to have a say Annika Sorenstein, perfect example. And the reason I got into this argument slash bashing was because it's my arena. This is what I did. This is this is what I worked my whole life to play on the PGA Tour. That's why I thought that I could, you know, elaborate on the topic was because I've been there and and I've done it. Um, And this guy clearly was not, not a good college player. He was a two or three man on a five man squad, tried men's professional golf and didn't make it. I think his career earnings were 150 bucks or something and decided he'd try to play against the women. And here he is, you know, he's, he's finishing second in his first event. The, the girl that beat him is a 15 year old amateur. So credit to her for, but she's a, for beating, and, for beating and, a guy. And, like, and Bella's legit. Bella Dovey is her name. Uh, yeah, 15, yeah. and she's like a two or three time junior world champion at 15. Uh, yeah, and she's also the she's also the girl years ago that like did the final interview um, with Arnold Palmer. Believe it or not, like she sat down oh, wow. and did this. And so like she's she's been on this golf stage for a while. And to your point, you have Haley Davidson who's already finishing second to a two or three time junior world champion on the course. Yeah, and, and she's 15, right? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. The guy, the girl, whatever you want to call them, um, they've they've been in this situation where they haven't won clearly in their whole professional career, college career, and it's not the only reason, right? There's other reasons why they do these things, but if you want to go through a twenty thousand dollar sex change and make that kind of commitment for the rest of your life and run around and play dress up. That's fine. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you do that. That doesn't bother me. But when you try to say that you're the same as a biological woman and compete in their arena against them, you've got to protect the women at this point. You have to, because it's just not fair. Why do you think we haven't done that as a society? And, and as a look it, it, as a society, do whatever you want. Um, but as far as the governing body of the LPGA, they changed their guidelines to it's no longer a female born or, or born 
you know, uh, biological. They took that out to allow this exact thing to happen. Right. And I had, I had one lady respond to me that is a professional golfer on the LPGA tour. And she took the side of the transgender. And I was very confused because the only reason that she's not offended yet or doesn't have her feelings hurt because she hadn't been beat by one of these transgender athletes before is because they've been bad athletes as men. So take, for example, if you have, have a guy like a Dustin Johnson or a John Rahm or someone like that, like it probably won't ever happen, but you take a great college player, they can't make it on tour. A really good college player would dominate on the LPGA tour. That's the reason she's not mad yet is because it hasn't happened to her. She hasn't lost to one of these people yet. So I think the firsthand experience of, of a lot of these athletes getting beat by a transgender athlete is going to what really tips the scale. You know, they've, they just have to feel the pain of it firsthand. You know, they've got to see it. They've, they've got to be like this, this is just not right. And she was the only one of all of, I had text messages, DMs, uh, support on, on Twitter from all, all female athletes all over the world responding to me. Shoot. This person was the only one that did not support her own female competitors and took the side of the transgender. And I believe it's just because she hadn't been beat by one yet. Yeah. And it's, it's encouraging that, you know, so many people took that, that side of it. And I'm talking about female athletes out there when you did that. Um, how much is media to blame for this being an issue? And I'll cite a specific example. When Leah Thomas is honored by ESPN as one of their signature women in sports for the last year, and it's presented as an inspirational story that you know she goes from the men's side to the women's side and dominates in the pool, a lot of people see that, right? A lot of people follow ESPN. They follow that media I don't think that's helping this issue at all. And I don't know that, you know, it's going to change a lot of minds say, Oh, I'm going to go do the same thing, but I don't, I also don't think glorifying it helps. Do you think the media is in part to blame? I think the media has a, has a problem. You know, I think we have a problem with society first uh, right now, you know, right is not right anymore. And wrong is not wrong. It, 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 it seems like some of the times we glorify the wrong and we condemn the right, you know, and and we're we're losing our we're losing our way as a society, a society for one. But yeah, media has a lot to do with it because when you praise these people for cheating, I mean they're they're cheating. That's what they're doing. When you praise them for cheating, it sends a message to a 12, 13, 14 year old person that is going through puberty, life changes that they've never had before. That's an influential part in their life. Those people see these things that are glorified by some of the media. And when that happens in that influential period of their life, they can make some really bad decisions that are not reversible, you know, and, and when ESPN glorifies Leah Thomas for winning um, and makes her, you said, woman of the year or sports, sports uh, woman of the year. One of the as, women as of the year. She was honored as one of them, yes. I mean, that's just unbelievably bad. So, uh, no, I, yeah, I think the media has a, a massive role in this as well. Uh, and, and there's good media, bad media, obviously. But 
<clears throat> that's that's terrible. I think number one, it's a society issue, though, when it comes down to it. John Peterson, a former PGA Tour professional, and you can check out the podcast for the people. F O R E. Uh, great uh, taste in bourbon as well, there, John. Tell us about the podcast. <laughs> wow, you want to talk about the pod? All right. Well, it's a lot like it's a lot like, like y'all's show. It's a uh, it's a very common sense take on golf. What we did was. He took me and my partner, JJ Colleen. He both, he played on the PGA tour as well back in the day. And, and we just, we were drinking beer at a neighbor's house up the road here. We have a mutual friend and he was like, man, y'all are great together. Y'all should do a podcast. We're like, really? So we're like, ah, nobody listens to podcasts. We're not doing that stupid, you know? So sure enough, like the next week we were bored and like, let's do a podcast. So we recorded an episode and within about two weeks, it was in the top five of, uh, of golf podcasts in the country. So we just kept going. That was two years ago. And and we just recorded our, I think hundredth or so episode. And we've had a bunch of guys on, but our, our targeted guys on the PGA tour, live tour, whatever they are, are the guys you'd want to sit down and have beers with after a round, you know, it doesn't matter how you played, you're going to be buddies afterwards. Um, we've had Pat Perez. We've had Harry Higgs. We've had Paige Sporanek. Um, we've had, we, we've had a bunch of guys, uh, Harris English, Kevin Kisner, um, bunch of bunch of names that everybody loves. And we don't want the stiffs on tour. We don't want the guys that are are going to get on there and shoot us, you know, textbook answers or any of that. So it's been fun, though, man. We don't really take it too seriously. And sometimes our Internet cut out, cuts out <laughs> halfway through it and it ends up being a total disaster. But uh, it's been good. Did you watch Full Swing on Netflix? No. Not yet. So Joel Damon is yeah. a, a feature on that, and that sounds like the perfect guest for your podcast for sure. of the likable guys who aren't no. great on tour. He's had him, but will tell great stories. <laughs> oh, you've had him on. Okay, I don't, yeah. I don't need to tell had, you that. We've had Damon. So how? So if you could watch the the Netflix series, then you could compare that episode to your podcast episode. So now I got to check out the podcast episode to see how it compares. Yeah. So uh, Joel Damon, I didn't know this at the time, but. Joel and I are similar age and he was at the sectional qualifying for the U S open up in Columbus, Ohio last year. And I had known Joel from when I played. So I texted before and I was like, Hey man, you want to have some beers after we play tomorrow? Cause it's 36 holes one day. You're going to be exhausted. All you want to do is drink a few beers. So he's like, yeah, dude, actually I'll holler at you afterwards. So anyway, I played horrible. He played good and he ended up making it. And so I texted him. I was like, congrats, dude, where are we going? And he didn't answer me. And so the next morning, I text him again. I'm like, dude, thank you. Yeah, last night was fun. Appreciate it. And he texts me back. He's like, man, I was doing some stuff I can't talk about. I was like, oh. And then that show came out. And everybody uh-huh. said that his episode was great. And all of it was right at that time. So he must have been filming and all that. So he had a good excuse to skip the beers with me. Well, watch the Joel Damon episode because they show him in Columbus. Yeah. So you'll, yeah. you were there. I think you'll find it interesting. They show him qualifying. And I'm pretty sure he's drinking beer in the second <laughs> 18. And his it, it, the relationship with him and his caddy is terrific in their backstory. But he's like, you sure you want to drink beer right now? You know, we, we're so close to the end. I feel like that was part of the, the plot of this episode. But anyways, g- give it a look, and we'll have you on another time. We'll talk about that episode. All right, yeah, I'll do, I'll do my homework and uh, check that out. I don't know today or tomorrow. I convinced my wife, though. That's, that's going to be the hardest part. I can't get her to watch anything sports-related, so... <laughs> We got to do that. That's the that's the tough debate. John, if you make it to Nashville, swing by and say hello. We'll give you some moonshine. You can take back for the backdrop you have there as well if you need it. Appreciate you, man. Uh, yeah. 
You bet. Thanks for having All me, right. guys. John Peterson there, uh, former PGA Tour golfer. And uh, yeah, the story at Outkick uh, for further details on the back and forth uh, with Haley Davidson. What is going on outside of our studio right now today? There are shouts going on, cheers. Something I have never heard this. This is, this is a Monday afternoon. And I feel like it's someone's retirement party or bar mitzvahs going on out there or something's happening. There's a celebration of some sort. Chad's going to go find out. Yeah, let's, let's get to break so I can let's, go check this we'll out. We'll do that. Headlines when we return. Uh, if we were having a party at uh, our next story that we're discussing with a, a coach and a team celebrating, they couldn't do this and pull off the same celebration that we saw in Knoxville after beating Bama. We'll explain why the coach was suspended for the same celebration next on Hot Mike. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Chad, what, what party did you find outside the studio here at 6 and the Peabody? It's just a group of uh, drunks, really. Oh. It's no, I don't think there's any special occasion. Just some Nothing people that here. decided to come take a pedal tavern downtown, get wasted by 4.30 Central Time on a Monday and enjoy their day. So that's all it was. No, last... don't, don't be alarmed. Nothing oh, else to yeah. see here. Just a group of people having a good time. You'll see that often here Part at Six and Peabody, though. Yeah, Part it's a, for the course here. It's, the uh, it's typically smoking. a good time. I know I brought this up uh, with our last guest, but the, uh, the ESPN promo with Leah Thomas was very uncomfortable to watch and um, just utterly ridiculous to be honored as one of the featured women in sports for the year. It's almost like at this point, I don't even know that ESPN believes it. It's well, like they're just trying to kind of stick a fork in the wound of people and say, just deal with see, it. See, I think it's more about they gave Caitlyn Jenner the Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Yeah, they and, did do that. And so now they're, you know, every time they have an option of doing this, they're going to do it. I also feel like it was a deal because remember, they got the interview with Leah Thomas and they have a snippet of that interview. It's almost like it was a deal. You know, to get the interview. Like, we will honor you this way if you do this interview with us. And they do that because they're playing snippets of their own interview on a piece about Leah Thomas. And it's like, You're saying that gets them access. She was, she was criticized, facing criticism. She overcame. And, just, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is so uncomfortable to watch. And we're seeing it uh, over the weekend, too. Uh, I mean, we've, we've certainly got... I believe the overwhelming opinion of all of you that biological men should not be competing against biological women in leagues and conferences and individual sports uh, put on by you know professionals on tour or professionals on in any realm for that matter. Um, Chad, I absolutely could go. I could get. I would say the vast majority of the female golfers I've ever played with could wipe me on a golf course. So I don't think you can automatically just win at golf. Swimming, it's a different story. And especially in regards to what we've seen from Leah Thomas. And Riley Gaines uh, pointed that out too. She's taking a stand against ESPN doing that too. And the, the tweet, Leah Thomas is not a brave, courageous woman who earned a national title. He's an arrogant cheat who stole a national title from a hardworking, deserving woman. The NCAA is responsible. If I was a woman working at ESPN, I would walk out. You're spineless. 
Yeah, I think we're going to get Riley on the show at some point this week. At least that's the hope. Um, she goes into a lot of detail that I didn't really fully understand about um, the changing process yeah. and the locker rooms during this that were pretty disturbing when you think about it. Well, and, that, and she describes it in detail, and I'm thinking, really? Well, that was the crux of the bathroom bill in North Carolina that yeah. ended up pulling the NBA All-Star game out of there. And this is, But this is even you know next level, like just – blatant we're talking yeah. not even a bat we're talking a locker right. room right where right. every woman goes to change for this swim meet and it's um i don't know it's 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 a disturbing story either way uh hopefully we'll have riley Gaines on later in the week to discuss chad uh, a college football coach has been suspended after players were smoking victory cigars no this was not in knoxville that certainly would not hold they all got raises for yes. doing that in knoxville. Yeah, no doubt but this was ferris state the Bulldogs, and head coach Tony Anise. So the NCAA announced that it's suspending him for one game after two of his players lit up some victory cigars, and it happened uh, following the team's second straight title in Division II. This is back in December. The, the issue, though, at hand is that Division II played their state, or their not state, their championship game in Texas at a high school campus, which is non-smoking. And... I mean, that's, that's the case across the entire state, not just at this one specific field. Uh, it would be no different, Chad, if we, you know, tried to do something at one of the high school stadiums or one of the colleges uh, here locally, too. Yeah, who suspended the, no, the coach? The, the school? No tobacco policy. The school the suspended? Story, the story at Outkick points to the NCAA suspending him. See, that's stupid. Like, pay the fine. You know, you broke so, the law. You broke the rules of this place. Like, I'm fine with them yeah. levying a fine or telling you to put it out or whatever. But how, why is the NCAA – another case of the NCAA getting involved in things they should not get involved in that have make no well, but, but, issues with them at but all, the but issue, then refusing to get involved with bigger things. But the issue was they're, they're back-to-back champs. They also did this the previous year, and they were warned not to do it again. And then two players did it anyway. Yeah, well. And they were, they were fined different things as well in 2021, upwards of 15 grand in fines. See, so this being is, warned the year before. But two players, not the team, just two players did this. They lit up. Well, no tobacco punish, policy. Punish the players. And if it's, you know, if, if it's a deal where it's against the rules, then, you know, come on. It's, it's stupid. Yep. Hit us up on social. You can also join us in the chat uh, on social there. Uh, Chad, so we've got the final four we want. Florida Atlantic's an amazing story. But UConn or Miami, knowing where they are on the pedestal of college athletics, we hit on last week, UConn pouring, what, upwards of $16 million a season on their basketball program, men's basketball program. Miami, same thing. And they're investing in the players uh, both of these teams had the men's and women's teams represented very well. With all that in mind, while you know you have the small school FAU feel or San Diego State feel to the mid-majors, the teams with the most to gain, I think, can be UConn and Miami on the college basketball landscape. UConn's been there. Miami yeah. has a chance to really grab hold of you want to get paid and win basketball, football, 
Come on, bring it to South so, Beach. So this is FAU's one shining moment. I don't want to discredit them as a program, but Dusty May will leave yeah. sooner rather than uh, later, yep. Yep. and they're probably not going to get back here with regularity, even though it's been a great run. I'm with you. Miami with John Ruiz has a chance. There's no quick fix oftentimes with no, money, but, but it was with him. They picked the right guys to pay in NIL and, he's and girls the charge. on the women's side, and they've, right. they've done a good job. Now if they can just figure out football, they'll be good to go. That's the next step. They're paying Cristobal to do that. Yep. And their players. Join <laughs> us tomorrow. We go live at 3 o'clock Eastern for Hot Mike on the Outkick Network.